When you're running a sale in Shopify, you create coupon codes, right? That's just one more thing for your customers to deal with. What if instead you could automate price changes and promotions? That's exactly what Bold's product discount app does. It's one of my longtime favorites from Bold, and if you need to run any kind of sale, this is the app to do it. You can run sales by hand-selecting products, a collection, a vendor, a product type, or even the entire store. And when you run sales, you can schedule them to start and stop at certain times. And there's an, even an option to put a live countdown timer on the products on sale. So it's perfect for daily deals. Sale ends in 4 hours, 3 minutes, 21 seconds, and counting. Imagine the urgency this can create. So one of the automation features I really like is this app's ability to put sale icons and badges on sale products, then automatically tag them when it puts them on sale, and remove the tag when they're off sale. So this lets me create a clearance or deals of the day section by making a Shopify collection where the product tag equals daily deal, and then the product automatically appears and disappears from it when it's on and off sale. And these sales pages are consistently one of the most visited pages on the stores that have them. So from power hour sales, daily deals, countdown timers, clearance corners, and more, just about every store can benefit from some kind of sale that this app can run. Before your next sale, grab it free for 60 days at ethercycle.com bold. That's ethercycle.com bold. What's the number one customer support request you get? I bet it's, hey, where's my order? My friends at Ventov, makers of SEO Meta Manager, have a solution for this. It's called Order Lookup. And it lets customers look up their orders, right, good name, with either their email or order number, reducing the order inquiries you get in your inbox. We use it on our own high-volume Shopify Plus client stores like Hoonigan and Yvonne Stells to provide real-time order info to customers with a fully customizable order lookup page so you can keep that thing on brand. And hey, if you're a dropshipper, it even works with ePacket. You can get a seven-day free trial when you search order lookup in the App Store. I watched a movie last night. What movie did you watch? Uh, My Friend Dahmer. It's based on a graphic novel by this guy that went to high school with Jeffrey Dahmer. And he was kind of like in a little circle, like kind of weirdos that were Jeffrey Dahmer's friends. So just about Jeffrey Dahmer as an awkward teenager? Yeah, pretty much. That's how... Was it good? Was it good for him? No, the movie was fine. All right, as soon as you go, it was fine. It's anything but. Well, I wasn't like... It's faint praise. Well... Damning praise, even. Listen, no, we're not... I'm not falling into your binary world where it's like everything's either a thumbs up or a thumbs down, Netflix. Or people where all apps are either five stars or zero stars. That's how my children operate. You either love it or hate it, and there's no room in between. We had this argument, I think, last Friday with my kids when we got Pizza Hut as a treat because they got good report cards. Are you sure? You mean as a torture device, right? And they were like, this is the greatest pizza we've ever had. And we're like, it's okay. It is what it is. And they're like, how can you not think it's the greatest? Like, we've literally taken you... To have actual wood-fired pizza in a restaurant with a white tablecloth, and you think this is the best pizza you've ever had. Like, it's just, it's not bad. It's But it's not trying to be anything special. That's the palate of a nine-year-old, dude. And a seven-year-old. Yeah. And their two-year-old sister, who is a demented psycho, dips her breadsticks into marinara sauce, 
licks the marinara sauce off the breadstick, then redips it. That's some serial killer stuff. Well, she, well, Jeff, Jeffrey Dahmer did that in the movie. I knew it. <laughs> no, nah, I don't think she's a killer. She, she's just way too nice to her cat. To well, be a killer. she'll she'll be a woman. Woman, women generally aren't serial killers that we know about. You know, maybe that's just a cognitive bias. Well, they mostly use poison. They just they get away with it. Yeah. So today on the unofficial Shopify I'm podcast, I'm cognitively biased in thinking that women generally aren't serial killers. <laughs> Is that part of the like the matriarchy that I've bought into? Yes. <laughs> Threw you off your game there. Today on the unofficial Shopify podcast, we're talking about analytics, key performance indicators, and stats. And serial killers. <laughs> and serial killers. Well, we that's put a pin in it. We we nailed that. <laughs> I'm your host, Kurt Elster, recording from EtherCycle HQ, seven stories above Chicago's old orchard mall, with my co-host and serial murder enthusiast, Paul Rita. Yeah, I'll, I'll take it. Yeah, I like true crime stuff. I would also accept that title. <laughs> Netflix is... Uh, I'm mad at Netflix because Netflix really bought into all those crime shows, like true crime documentaries, but they're all like eight fucking hours, and they don't need to be eight hours. They Yeah, they stretch them. They take like three hours of content and expand it out into an eight-hour bag, and it's like, why am I watching this? And really, Get away from me. Like, because Netflix is not on broadcast TV, the total... Like, the number of episodes could be entirely arbitrary. Like, and the length of just, the episodes. And the link. They could really just be like, it's whatever the format that works. But I'm sure they have some, some data-driven stat where they're like, well, we know that this is the exact number of episodes that is most likely to get people to watch 100% of it. So you're going to fit whatever you got into that. Yeah, not for me. I've quit on several of them. I've like, I've had enough. Yeah, you know, as I get older, I no longer feel that, like, drive to, well, I started it, so I have to finish it. I, I just don't care anymore. Yeah, life's too short. So, on that housekeeping topic, actually, I, I don't have one, just uh, two housekeeping items that we got to get to. Uh, one, our third meetup is happening, coming up soon, and we've got, what, like 12 days? It's Thursday, April 25th at 6 p.m. You could join us. Come hang out with us. We'll be hearing a talk on conversion rate optimization from author of value-based design, Nick DeSabato, and we'll be doing a Q&A panel with Tactical Baby Gear's Beave Brody, a seven-figure Shopify Plus merchant in the flesh. So, you only have to do one thing to go. It does not cost you any money. You just need to register in advance so I know how many sandwiches to buy at ethercycle.com slash meetup. The other item, uh, we launched a cool site, a... We really hacked up Turbo to do this one. Oh, boy. This was, a, this was a job and a half, folks. Oh, yeah. Javahouse.com, which sells cold brew coffee. It's a Heartland Food Group's company, which is they, if you've ever had Splenda, that, that's the group. Um, but I'm, I'm really proud of, like, the level of fiddliness that site has. I was going to say chicanery because that's, that's what it is. Chica- well, <laughs> check it out. You'll Code see what chicanery. we're talking about with the number of animations that are of any site we've done that has more animations going in it than any other, javahouse.com. So I'll throw that in the show notes. Okay, on topic for today, we're going to talk about analytics, KPIs, and stats. I want to give you uh, some benchmarks for those and how to approach it. Because I think what a lot of people do is they just open up Google Analytics and, or their Shopify Analytics you know, once a day, a week, or a month. And they just kind of poke around in it and hope they get something out of that. It's just not a great yeah, approach. Yeah, they're kind of like that. Well, in the, you know, Shopify helpfully has whether the number in question is like up and down over the previous time period. 
And then they'll kind of be like, it's down 30%. Sound the alarms. And right. maybe it's not an alarm. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a, a common a common uh, business owner uh, issue um, is is being myopic, where they just look at like, you're just, you know, you load the thing up and it's like, whoa, conversion rate's down 50% since 24 hours ago. <laughs> it's not statistically significant. Even looking at like a trend for a week's not going to help you. You really need to be doing like 30 days at a time or you'll be making yourself crazy with wildly inaccurate data. Or my favorite, we're, we're getting out of it now, but my favorite is like, this quarter sales are down 30% over last quarter. It's like last quarter was November and December. Of course sales are down. It's now January. Everyone is sad. They're yeah. not buying things. Oh, it's not I, the holidays. We have that conversation I have that conversation 5 times every year in January and February. We're like things are bad. They're not bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to compare it to the previous years January and February. You can't compare it to the previous quarter. You make yourself nuts that way. All right, so Corey Kavis from NutriKey had asked, how do you go about reviewing your analytics and reports? And Eleni Iwano asks, one of the main questions I have is, as an e-commerce manager and marketer, what are the metrics and analytics I should make sure I look at every single day? So that's what the, the mention of viewing them every single day. Bad idea. Don't yeah, do that. You're just going to make yourself crazy. The Most stats viewed daily aren't, aren't going to do you any good. Uh my retainer clients and I, we meet uh, monthly, usually once a month, to assess current KPIs. And What's KPI? Key performance indicator. All right, good. And to, what we do is we, game, we compare it to, all right, what's the previous month? What's the trend? And then let's game plan how to improve the weakest or most relevant relative to what's going on in the business. So at no point are we doing this daily or even weekly. Yeah, no, no, don't do that. And you know, even uh, even on shorter time frames, if you're like including today in the analytics, it's like today's not over yet. But the comparison day it's going up against of like last Thursday, that day got a full day to it. You've only given this day still got eight hours left, so it's going to be down anyway. Yeah, you're going to see some some wild swings doing that. Even looking at things like thirty days at a time can be not enough to balance out just like natural trends that are happening. There's also stuff that's out of your control that occurs too. Probably like the biggest bias we see is looking at my business, I identify a problem. I think I've identified a problem based on some stat or some issue in my store. And now I just attribute that to whatever the last change that happened was. Oh, we get that all the time. And even like I've done this before. I know I've done this before with something because when I recognize myself doing it, I'm like, oh, I can't believe I fell for that. Um, I think that happens to everybody. It's just a thing you have to be aware of. I'm sure there's a term for it. Recency bias? No, that's not what that is. That's that if that describes it. I like that. But that's not what recency bias is. Oh, no. <laughs> so what's the difference? What's recency bias? I, uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's like, oh, because, you know, recency bias is your dumb kids being like, this is the greatest pizza ever. It's like, no, nah, it's just the last pizza you ate. <laughs> it's the most recent pizza. <laughs> so they're, in his defense, he's always very grateful about it. He always says, thank you for dinner. As if, like, I went through some great pains to order pizza. Hunt. Well, also, as, but if, I appreciate like, it. as also if, like, the state wouldn't be mad at you if you didn't give him dinner. <laughs> it's like, yeah, uh, technically, by law, I have to feed you. <laughs> Otherwise, you'd be out in the woods scrounging around by yourself. Like, 100%, though, those, like, those, the same irrational thinking that my children are doing 
is the same crap that I do that we all do when we're trying to ascribe meaning to these reports and statistics. So I think it's important to have like a theory um, uh, that you're trying to test when you look at these stats. You're like, I wonder if, like some hypothesis, and that's going to help avoid um, some of these these weird biases and like ridiculous magical thinking that happens. So, okay. It's a superstition is what it is, almost. And that they're just like, well, the last thing, the last thing you did clearly cursed my website, so we got to undo it. Yes. And they're like, yes. uh, we changed... The size of the images in the cart, I don't think that caused your conversion rate to drop by 30% is changing the size of the images in the cart. They're like, no, that's what did it. And that I'll was the last thing you touched. Right now, why that's an, like how that becomes that, that kind of thinking is folly. You don't, correlation is not causation. So it could be, um, here's an interesting thing we discovered. For a, we had a, a client who sells um, premium textiles, premium goods, luxury stuff. You could map, you could correlate her sales to the U.S. stock market. If these, uh, the per- like on a day to day basis. Yes. Not even like over months or years, like per day, market, yes. per day market fluctuations would cause per day sales fluctuations on her store because her shit was so high end that people had to be feeling a little flush in order to actually buy from there. Yeah. And the people that did that were like people who would check their portfolio daily. But there's no, like, that was on a whim that we're like, I wonder if that, if that correlates. And it did. That was the scary part. So it's real, like, there are things completely out of your control. There are market forces that occur that could cause, um, cause your stats to change day to day, week to week, month to month. So what stats should you be looking at to measure the health of the store itself? Uh, there's a few I always want to know is, all right, what's the average order value? And I start with average order value because conversion rate and average order value correlated inversely. So if I've got, obviously, you know, a store that sells $10 items with an average order value of, say, 15 bucks is going to convert better than a store that sells $500 items. Just you'd have, it is much easier to make an impulse purchase with a lower priced item. Um, so that's a point in favor of the, the t-shirt store people. Um, so, but a typical good average order value, will say, is like 50 bucks. And with assuming you've got an average order value of fifty bucks, I want to see a conversion rate, you know, in the like two to three percent range. Would I would consider excellent, but it's largely a factor of the quality of traffic you get. Looking at that conversion rate, though, like a lot of people will zero in on conversion rate. You so again, like you need to match it to your average order value. So if your conversion rate went down, you're gonna go, well, did my average order value go up? Or did my, um, did my traffic increase dramatically? That could mean the quality of traffic actually went down. So you can't look at like a single stat on its own. Yeah, I mean, I can tell you how to increase your conversion rate. Email your entire mailing list a coupon for 50% off, and your conversion rate will go through the roof if that's what you <laughs> yes. want to happen. Yeah. You'll make 50% less money, but your conversion rate's up. Um, so the, and then relative to conversion rate, you want to know, all right, well, what per, prior to then, what percent of people reached checkout? Prior to that, what percent of people added a cart? I typically, in an unoptimized store, I want to see each of those numbers be 50% of the previous. So let's say we've got that store, it's got an average order value of 50 bucks. I would expect the add to cart rate to be 10% and reach checkout to be 5% and purchase to be 2.5%. If one is wildly off from that, I know, okay, that's where the issue happens. But if I see, all right, your conversion rate's low, if I see your add to cart rate is high, 10% or higher, and your conversion rate is low, 2% or less, 
then I know, all right, the issue happens in that area. After I had to cart and before I get to... Before you get the money. Yeah, before I, I confirm the payment, I complete the purchase. But if I see, all right, your conversion rate is low, but your add to cart rate is low too, aha, now I know it's happening prior to them adding the item to cart. So it could be an unmet objection, or more importantly, it is uh, the issue they're running into is the person can't get find the right product for them. They can't get to it fast enough. Or or it's even bad traffic. But before that, I don't know. I get, it's kind of how you troubleshoot something. If it's like you have a piece of electronics you're trying to troubleshoot, don't you go through every stage and you're like, well, is it this part of it? Is it the cable connecting the two of them? Then is it the machine before that connected to it on that cable? Like you kind of go backwards through the sequence. Yes. And it's the same thing here where if uh, cart, add to cart, cart page checkout rate, conversion rate is all in line, like you said, dropping by about half maybe, then we know it's not that. So we know it's got to be before that. And if it's, you know, and that's where like heat mapping would come in. And if the heat mapping looks okay and like the, but if the bounce rate is insane, I was going to say, you also need, now we got to get Google Analytics in there because we got to start looking at, at this point, all right, well, what's the bounce rate? We do exit intent polls with Hotjar. Hey, why didn't you buy today? Yeah, because like bounce rate to me is that's a top bad traffic. You have, you are not pitching your site to the right places. And so the traffic is coming in is not the people you want. Yes. And the people are realizing it and they're leaving. Yes. Hold up. We'll hear more after this quick break. Support for this podcast comes from Simpler, a new way to staff 24-7 sales and customer service on your Shopify store. It works with your existing email and chat tools, so setup is quick and easy. Simpler provides on-demand, US-based customer service specialists to answer your customers' most common questions. Close more sales with Simpler by staffing your email and live chat with 24-7 Simpler specialists. Find out more at simpler.ai. That's S-I-M-P-L-R dot A-I. And now back to the show. Hit me. Or it's a it could be a, a positioning issue or a load time issue. Yeah. So yeah, if I saw all right, conversion rates low and add to cart rates low. Well, now my next question is going to be, well, what is? Let's now we need to go into Google Analytics. What are my highest, uh, my most visited landing pages? What are my bounce rates? And if I see like really high bounce rates, okay, now we know either the traffic is wrong. Or there is uh, like the, there's something wrong with the site um, where people it's a mismatch between how they got there and what they expected. Uh, just to back up that train a little bit, something I've seen is ever since Shopify implemented those dynamic checkout buttons, yeah, like the Apple Pay and the PayPal buttons, that has really thrown that's thrown off the little rule of thumb metric because those things count as. Those are not add to carts, but they become reach checkouts yeah, they and conversions, it. so they kick it up. So, I mean, they're really good because, I mean, instead of it going 10, 5, 2 and a half, it goes 10, 7, then like 3 and a half. So, I mean, that's just adding those dynamic checkout buttons is like always a conversion win because it increases that middle stage in those numbers. Well, and you could see it when you turn the dynamic, like turn the dynamic checkout buttons on. And then, you know, wait seven days and then look at your conversion rate funnel stats. You'll see reach checkout will disproportionately increase. We'll jump up a bunch. Yeah. Yeah. Like 20 to 40 percent. The conversion rate will proportionally increase that amount, too. So engaging the health of the store, the other two stats I like to look at are return customer rate. Um, and the metric I use for that is, OK, if you hit 40 percent, 
It's extraordinary. You're nailing it. That's like the A-plus grade you should be going for is 40%. So four of every 10 customers makes two purchases. If it's less than 20%, either you've got like a one-time use product, like it's you only purchase this item once and you need to come up, you need to be thinking about a strategy for post-purchase, um, or uh, you're just not doing a great job of bringing people back, or they're having such a terrible experience they never buy from you again. So 40% and better, is you are living the dream. 20% or less, you got a problem. Um, and like 25, 30 seems to be the good normal range, I see, for return customer rate. Um, and then the last stat you could check, and this one you can't check in Shopify, which I, really, I wish they'd add this, um, customer lifetime value. If I could see that, that would be fabulous. Uh, generally, I pull it in Clavio, and what's cool in Clavio, it's got, um, and this is an aside, it has predictive analytics where it'll tell you, yeah, this is what they have paid now. This is what we predict their future purchases will be based on similar customers. So here's their like predicted lifetime value. And it'll tell you, like, here's the number of days we think it'll be before their next purchase. So then you could have like an email flow set up. So, like, to really knowing- poke them on their, on their, on their projected purchase date. Yeah. You could poke them a little bit. Yeah. That's one of the triggers you can use in Clavio. Where, so rather than like, all right, the average person makes a purchase 45 days later is how we used to do it. Now it could do it where it's going to be um, dynamically set for each individual based on their behavior on the site. Little something I was looking at today that drives me nuts and I want to talk about it is the difference in conversion rates from desktop to tablet to mobile. And it goes down like that. Like people are, whatever your site is, the con- generally, if you're, even if your site's very, if your site's very well made, the conversion rate on tablet will be lower than the desktop conversion rate and the phone conversion rate will be lower than the tablet conversion rate. Which is kind of brutal because, like, at least 80% of traffic is on phones now. Yeah, it's, it's not unusual to have stores that are, like, 85-90% mobile traffic. Yeah, so it's like, if we could just get that traffic amount and it was only on desktop, the conversion rates would be so much higher. But yeah. there's, like, no way to fix it. I mean, the store I was looking at today that I know is very optimized, you know, I wrote the theme, like, uh, there's nothing I can think of doing that would make this work better on phones it was like 8% on desktop, 5% on tablet, and 3% on mobile were the conversion rates. And it's just like, I don't know how to fix that. And it's killing me. Because well, I mean, that, if, if you could figure out a way to make those numbers more commiserate with each other, that would just be an absolute goldmine. And that's where retention marketing really comes in. Because you have, like, essentially, the issue is convenience. No one wants to type all that garbage in on their phone. And yet, like, dynamic checkout buttons exist and Shopify Pay exists, but not everyone has opted into those systems. Very few customers are even going to be aware that Shopify Pay is a thing, and it still assumes that they have it set up already. So, like, they're all steps in the right direction. They all exist to add convenience to the mobile purchasing process, which is the only way to fix this. Um, But they just don't have the widespread adoption we need. Um, You know, and, like... Three, four years, I think it'll be different. But right now, yeah, you've got that really widespread. And I mean, and, and I'm talking about a store here that is just like optimized to the hilt. There's no way it's I can dialed think of, in. There's yeah. totally dialed in. I mean, if a, if you have a site that is actually a terrible mobile experience, that slide down the conversion rate numbers is going to be much steeper and even worse. I so mean, on the, um, so you're other, like, 
what we've seen is uh, remarketing ads and retention works really well. So you want to make sure you're sending people, you know, follow up messages, email, Facebook messenger, text, and uh, Facebook remarketing ads. And really, it's just so when they go back, when they, you know, they they cruise the site on their phone. Now they're on their desktop at work, and oh, there's an ad for that, and now they go by. That's the way to bring it back. That, but that could be another pain point for the store owners to be looking at if they're worried about conversion rate. Break your conversion rate out by device because, I mean, if your mobile conversion rate is maybe your phone, maybe your site is terrible on phones and it's slaughtering your mobile conversion rate. And if your mobile traffic is 80% of your traffic, that's slaughtering your major convert, your overall conversion rate by a ton. And actually, uh, Shopify reports will give you a really nice breakdown by device and browser. Yeah, you could do that. It's also a way to try and identify like um, oddball issues where it's like, oh, this site breaks horrifically in this one particular browser, and you didn't know. Android. Yeah, Android. <laughs> Good luck figuring out which Android browser, of course. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's not unusual. So that's another way to go about it. So what do you do with that data? Like, we've established the important ones. We know what they mean. We've got um, we've given some, like, hypotheticals of here's how you might break those numbers down, and we've got standardized ranges for those, and that's still so hard because it like, I have the advantage of having looked at hundreds of stores, so I kind of benchmark ideas for price, industry, etc. So it's tough to just give one standard number. But what do we do with those? Just to reiterate, we got to emphasize sample size, I think, one last time before we exit out of this for a moment. Because do not look at a day, do not look at a week of data when they're trying to see if a change, quote-unquote, worked or not. In Shopify, it gives you two options for comparison. You do previous uh, previous date range. So if you say, all right, give me the last 30 days, it will then compare it to the 30 days prior to that. Or same date range last year. So you want to make sure to check both. Yeah. And it's also you know, uh, partly a function of like how much traffic you have. If you don't have a ton of traffic, the less traffic you have, the more wildly these numbers will will swing around. I would view them more as a as a guideline, possibly as a canary in the coal mine, um, but trying to treat them as like the hard and fast guidelines is really tough. I mean, ultimately, a lot of it is reading tea leaves. The approach I like to take is look at all those stats and decide which one of these is the weakest and, or which one of these is like the quickest growth lever. And then focus on, and then once you know, all right, well, this is the one we want to move, come up with tactics to that will move just that needle and then after 30 days, reassess it and decide, all right, did we manage it? Did we get it in line with the others? And then move on to the next. The mistake I people make, I see people make, is just this shotgun, day-to-day, knee-jerk, I'm going to run from fire-to-fire approach. Yeah. Where you have nothing to assess, you have no idea, you're paying a ton for like 60 different apps, you have no idea what's making any difference, and that's where you get yourself into trouble. Yeah, and they're like, my revenue's down 50% today. And it's like, well, it's 2 o'clock, day ain't <laughs> over yet. Yeah. Secondly, maybe yesterday was good. It just it's a day. Yes. So yeah, take that more more pragmatic approach with a a laser focus. Focus is the key so that you at the end of the month you go, "Okay, we moved, you know, we grew x percent by focusing on this revenue or on this KPI that you're like we grew revenue 10% by focusing on this KPI that moved 50% and uh, as opposed to like, well, we tried everything and I think we're ahead. We moved an inch in every direction instead of a mile forward. Mm-hmm. That's that's what you want to avoid. And it's like shiny toy syndrome. It's so easy to go, oh, that's a cool app. 
oh, that's a cool idea. And then you just end up going like every which way. Please stop installing so many apps. So many apps. Please, I beg of you. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Appitis is a common issue in the Shopify world. So on that topic, Task, Hux- Task Huskies, Zachary McClung, and Task Husky uh, sponsored our upcoming Shopify meetup. Thank you. Along with Bold, Gorgeous, and Shopify Plus. Zach asks, what do successful brands get right that other people miss? And so I think number one is we discussed is that that data-driven approach um, and that just like fierce, brutal laser focus on we're going like this is the thing we're working on right now. So we're able to shut out all other distracting projects. But ultimately, I think the the really successful companies are customer obsessed where they're constantly going through this process of iteration and revision on their sites to get them to best serve their customers. And it probably starts with positioning as a cornerstone. Like we talked about bounce rate. So someone lands on the site and they leave. Well, often it's because like you land on a site, you go, well, what the heck do they sell? And you're not going to take the time to figure it out. Just leave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, yeah. And I mean, that's, that's a big problem that we see a lot where it's just like, you land on the page and it's, you know, a stock photograph or, or something of like a person walking in trees or some crap or like two It's pe- always a stock or, photo. Yeah. Or women laughing with salad. Then it becomes, it's just like, feel good. It's like, okay, feeling good. Still don't know how I'm supposed to feel good. Like, it's just, everything is from like 30,000 feet and doesn't, it's like, it's so overly branding. Like, what's our brand? They Instead yeah. of just like solving a problem. They care much more about their, how their idea of their brand makes you feel. Yeah, they write like they're writing a um, shareholder report for Eli Lilly. Like, it's just buzzwords and nonsense. Yeah, they're like a 70s conglomerate. It's like, we're GE. It's like, you're not GE. Yeah, let that go. Instead, I don't want that that soggy, hand-wavy, wishy-washy positioning. I want bold, crispy positioning <laughs> where I know exactly if your service is or product is right for me. What do you sell? Who is it for? What's the benefit I get out of it? That's what I want to see. If you have no idea what the answer to that question is, survey your customers and ask them, what did you recommend our product? What bene- How did you describe it? What benefit would someone buying our product get? And what, uh, to what kind of person would you recommend it? Now you're going to have, even if, let's say you get 100 entries, you will be able to figure out trends in there and look at it and break it down and know, okay, this is like the number one reason people are buying and this is the number one uh, kind of person they'd recommend it for. And just copy and paste a couple key phrases out of there. Bam, you will now have the most effective high converting positioning statement possible so that when someone lands on your site, they can go, oh, well, that sounds interesting. That's for me. And then scroll down and move on to the next step as opposed to like having an 80% bounce rate. Well, and, you know, I think... Uh I think and I, I want to emphasize that this is not something to be scared of. You know, I was on the dating market not too long ago, and the real key to dating is disqualifying leads. Active disqualification. Active disqualification. You need to be like, yeah, I don't want to date you. And you need to be extremely clear about who you are and what you're looking for, because those are the only people that you want to go on a date with. You only want to go on a date with people that would be super into you. So you need to disqualify all the people that aren't super into you. And it's the same thing with these visitors to your store. You want to establish who you are very clearly and what you sell very clearly so the people that aren't going to buy it will go away. And the people that stick around are more into it and more likely to buy. Yes. 
Yeah, well, think about like a typical conversion rate. You're gonna if you're lucky, one in fifty people will buy. Yeah, if you're killing it, yeah, one in twenty people will buy. Yeah, so you just want everyone like part of those those super successful websites that have the really high conversion rates. They just do a phenomenal job at lasering in on this is exactly who our product is for, and we're so good at communicating what's why your life will be better if you buy it. And this, copywriting is such an undervalued skill. That's the best conversion rate optimization skill is being able to write good copy and have it be convincing, um, convincing and based on customer data. I think the other thing that people get that successful companies have that um, that unsuccessful companies or less successful companies struggle with is navigation. And you can always tell it. You land on the site and that main menu goes home, shop, about, contact. Right? It's, yeah. And the issue is you've got like, all right, if I go on Amazon, there's no home link. None of the, the main menu is just all that crap that you hid in your shop dropdown. That's every successful store's main menu is just the stuff that you hid in your dropdown. Yeah. And, and your main menu has three separate like content pages you made on it that take people away from buying. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like it, if it, if it's, it's a retail store, it's e-commerce. You want to have 95% of the focus be on shopping. So that main menu should get you multiple ways, depending on how people shop, to the product. So that's another mistake I see people make. So they're like, well, I can't have some a product in more than one collection, and I can't have more than one link to the same product. Of course you can. People shop in different ways. So you, I break it down like shop by category, shop by type, shop by... Uh, Size. Shop by size. Shop by audience. Shop by sales. Shop by new. Yeah. Shop by brand. Like, just let them turn your main menu into your choose-your-own-adventure so they can get to the right product however they feel comfortable. That's good. Um, yeah, like, if you, really, if you want, that's, like, the second, e it's so easy to set up navigation because it's just drag-and-drop menus in Shopify, and that's the thing that, like, no one puts much time into. That's where, like, when setting up a store, I will spend at least an hour just with a, a legal pad or a text file open, try like rearranging and try and figure out the best way to set up menus. You think like a librarian. Well, and, I, and, and this is another thing where uh, store owners are probably too myopic about it because they think they know what's important about their store. And usually it's like their own story because it's their story. So obviously we're all the hero in our own stories. And But so then they don't talk about themselves. They, they talk never, about like, the brand. It's always like, we, welcome to, we, no, I want to know, like, I know you're one person or a small team, and I bet there's a really, when I, people, when I talk to people on the phone, I go, oh, tell me about your business. And then they tell me these incredibly interesting stories about how they got into it. And then I ever, like, I swear to God, I have this exact oh, same I hear you say it on the phone call. I hear you say it on the phone all the time. Yeah. This happens multiple times a week where I go, and where on the website is that story? And they're like, uh... Because they've got this amazing story that they didn't tell anybody out of, like, some weird modesty. There's no modesty here. It's just a stranger on the internet reading an about page. Like, put together, tell me that story. I want to know about you. You have that advantage. Or, like, integrate the Cliff Notes version of that story on the homepage. Tell them about how, tell them how cool you are and then throw a product in their face. And they'll yes. be like, oh, this product's probably cool, too. Yes. Yeah, well, then that's the big, like, lifestyle brands especially. Um, aspirational brands. I think that that stuff works for sure because they'll relate to you and then they want, it feels like 
making a purchase from you is supporting you. Like you know where that money's going and to who. And if I even in the slightest bit relate can relate to you, it is going to make it so much easier to make that purchase decision. And especially when we're dealing with mobile, where we got to convince people like, all right, you're going to have to type in your address and credit card on the tiniest keyboard ever. I hate it. No, nobody likes it. I want 8% conversion rates on the phone. Damn it. Free money. Uh, I think lastly, the other thing that big brands get right that smaller brands don't is that proactive support. Like you want to, certainly you've got good customer service in place and you, you know, you handle returns and you explain all that stuff well, but rather than wait for problems to solve, as you see problems popping up, look at, okay, what can we change about the process to stop that? So do we have this really common question about this one product? All right, let's go in Clavio and set up a thing. If person placed order for and filter is this product, wait two days and send them an email with, hey, congratulations on your purchase of the Acme Widget Back Massager. Here's how to keep the Acme Widget Back Massager from shredding your mullet, right? Like if that was a common problem, we could preempt it via email easily. And you know what? That problem could also be an, an objection of your potential buyers. So put that crap on the website. So Solid you, point. So you pre-bust that objection before they buy it. Yes. Any pre-purchase questions that come in, for every person who asked, there were 10 people who had that same question 10, and just 100. went back to Facebook. Yeah. So you want to, you're right. You want to um, work that into your copy, Include at the very least put that on your FAQ page. And you want to get really proactive with your FAQ page. Take the top three questions from the FAQ page and include those right above your contact form on the Contact Us page. And on the FAQ page, the last question should be, if I don't see my question answered, how do I get a hold of you? Making yourself like super available is a trust signal. And also integrate the FAQ page into like a long product page. So it's right there underneath the product. Yes. Yeah. Why not have, um, you know, product specific FAQs? Basically, like anytime someone asks a question, that should go in a file somewhere to be included in the website. Yes. Uh, all right. I feel good with that. I think the last point is, hey, really, I've, I've been enjoying doing uh, these episodes with Paul. The only thing we need from you to keep going is podcast topics. So like we could riff all day amongst ourselves, but I don't know what you care about. You, the listener, are our customer in this case. So we're looking at you. Tell us. What's your number one question? What's your biggest concern? What do you want to know? What do you want to hear us discuss? Reply to my emails. That's when I sent out that newsletter. That's my real email address. You could reply to it. I will re- I'll answer your question and put it in our big list of podcast topics.txt. Or uh, if you're in our Facebook group, Unofficial Shopify Podcast Insiders, uh, just comment you know, anywhere and go, hey, podcast topic. Like, however you are comfortable getting me that info, please do. We need your questions. Yeah, otherwise this is just going to be a podcast about us talking about streaming movies. Yeah, which we could do. That'd We'd be fun. It. Yeah. But it's probably best if we stay with Shopify. Let us know your Shopify questions. One final note before we go. I wanted to remind you about the one Shopify theme my agency has used more than any other. It's called Turbo by Out of the Sandbox. And as its name implies, it's built for speed. But that's not why I love it. I love it because it's the most configurable feature pack theme for Shopify today. Features like predictive search, easy mega menus, infinite scrolling collections, and a ton of page templates. Calling it a theme doesn't do it justice. I think of it as a rapid prototyping tool for Shopify stores. And I've got a special offer for you. You can get it today at a 20% discount when you use the code PODCAST20. You can even try it for up to two weeks, and if you don't love it, Out of the Sandbox will give you a full refund. 
To check it out now, go to ethercycle.com turbo and use code podcast20 at checkout. That's ethercycle.com turbo. If you'd like to help us spread the joy of entrepreneurship, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, the unofficial ShopifyPodcast.com, and wherever you get your podcasts. If you're listening on a smartphone, tap or swipe over the cover art of this podcast. You'll find some episode notes, including some details you might have missed. You'll also find offers from our sponsors. Please support our show by supporting them, and thank you. The unofficial Shopify podcast was recorded and hosted by me, Kurt Elster, and produced by my business partner, Paul Rita, for our Shopify partner agency, EtherCycle. Check us out at EtherCycle.com. The unofficial Shopify podcast is distributed by EtherCycle LLC. We'll be back next week with more value bombs for Shopify store owners. If you're looking for more high-quality and actionable advice on learning the business of e-commerce, join thousands of other Shopify store owners on our totally free newsletter at eCommerce Bootcamp. That's eCommerce-Bootcamp.com.